This is Ron Oral, and you're listening to the Activist Investment Today podcast. I'm super excited to be speaking today with Gabrielle Kahane, co-founder of Arc House Partners, an investment firm that has become more activisty lately, launching director contests at two REITs and bidding with a group for one of those. Gabrielle previously was Director of Operations and Finance at Alex Sapper's Sapper Organization, and we're super excited to learn all about Arkhouse and its activist activities. Welcome, Gabrielle. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks so much for having me, Ron. Uh, tell us a little bit about Arkhouse and when it was formed, and maybe a little bit about your team. Yeah, sure. I like the designation activisty. I think <laughs> activism is you know, a space that we've only recently gotten more involved in. And I'll I'll start from the beginning and get you to how we landed in this really interesting niche. So the term activist is one that we still struggle to self-proclaim, but it's one that's been thrown at us. And I appreciate, I think, you know, generally speaking, rightfully so. Um, So activisty, I think is a good one. We started in 2016 as really just a generally opportunistic private equity investment firm focused on real estate exclusively. And since 2016, in what's been a really overly inflated investment sales market, the deals that we've done have involved a good deal of property level structuring, in some cases timing distress. We've been preferred equity, GP equity to developers that needed to capitalize their piece of the deal quickly, convertible debt in some cases. And you know, just always trying to find interesting ways to get into deals mostly in New York or in gateway markets nationally in a way that felt really safe but could also avail to our investors the kind of opportunistic high teams returns that they expected. Mm -hmm. And again, in what's been such a bid up investment environment, that's been tough and has led us to do a lot of really interesting, highly structured deals. So when COVID came, we felt like we'd finally have an opportunity to pivot to the investment strategy of old where real estate wealth was really created over the last many decades. And that's just buying good bricks at good bases. Um, And that strategy and thesis is obviously very interesting to our investor base, who is generally long-sighted about real estate value and was hoping that maybe the silver lining in the terrible pandemic might be an opportunity for them to deploy into a market that was in distress and buy good bricks at good bases. Those opportunities really were few and far between never really materialized thanks to a tremendous amount of you know stimulus forbearance on the part of lenders who were kicking the can and not facing the music Mm -hmm. and just a crush of private equity capital on the sidelines and being deployed into real estate so that every time something even smelled of distress or of value it was bid up to a level that we were just losing so that forced us to stay creative and find other opportunities for value investing. And so that it's interesting. Uh, yeah, you you like the word activisty. Yeah. Some people uh, use the term reluctivist if they are in a stock and then they feel like they need to, to apply pressure because the company's value is going down. And when you talk about private equity bidding up, I think private equity acquired one or if not at least one of the companies that you kind of targeted recently. So, but let's talk first a little bit about this investment you made in an office REIT in March, 2021, Arkhouse and a group of investors acquired reported. And let me make sure I got all this right. Reported a 3.3% stake and made a bid to acquire this office REIT, Columbia Property Trust for $2.24 billion. And you also nominated a change of control slave directors 
but you withdrew the nominees after Columbia announced a strategic review to consider alternatives for the business, which included Arkhouse's offer. And then in September, funds managed by PIMCO agreed to buy Columbia Property Trust for $3.9 billion, including debt or 1930s share. So anyways, if you could maybe use that as an example, walk us through yeah. what was the strategy always activism with Columbia or was that a past investment that you ultimately turned into kind of a unsolicited bid and investment? Yeah. So great question. You know, I think if the options are reluctivism and activism, I'd like to propose a third. Okay. I, I heard from someone recently. Constructivism. I thought this was a great positive spin. It's even better than constructivism, but yes, it's in the same vein. Proactivism. Oh, okay. And I like that one. I thought I haven't heard that. That was, that was a, I, I thought it was cute and gives a more positive, less reactive spin to the business plans that we are following through on. So, in the case of Columbia Property Trust, we were sort of drawn to the REIT space generally, just because it was hard to ignore the amazing dislocation and turmoil that was unfolding in the public sphere for REITs and for real estate companies more generally. Mm-hmm. And as real estate investors with kind of a private outlook, we kept underwriting this stuff you know, and kept bidding on private assets. And we're seeing sort of the gap, the massive spread in valuations between what we were bidding on privately and what we could buy publicly. Mm-hmm. But we weren't missioned by our investor base to go and passively purchase shares in someone else's company. Mm-hmm. So we needed to roll out at least some form of this is tremendously devalued and we have a way to help the company realize that value gap. And initially we started buying a position. Unfortunately, we really like Columbia at high single digits, <laughs> dollars mm-hmm. a share, and mm-hmm. then low double digits, we started buying shares. And the thesis was, We have a bunch of different ideas that we can propose to management, which may include a privatization, either Mm -hmm. in part or in whole. But if we, you know, nominate a slate, that will serve sort of as the ultimate ripcord or last ditch effort for us to effectuate change on behalf of shareholders. Mm -hmm. So we weren't necessarily convinced that we'd have to run a full proxy. And Mm -hmm. of course, we were hoping that we wouldn't, Mm -hmm. but nominated a slate as a just in case. You disclosed that you're nominated candidates, but you just submitted them privately or what happened there? Yeah, it was a private nomination to the company. Okay. We reached out to the company asking you know, to discuss as an interested shareholder. And it was only after we started buying a position that we realized we had investors that were very interested in these assets at a price that we think we thought was, we recognized was a huge premium to where the stock was trading. And, and decided, a huge premium to your cost basis, it sounds like it sold for at 1930 a share. So it's, it seems like this was a success for you, but are, are you, were you happy with the outcome or would you have preferred acquiring it if they had accepted your and your partner's offer? Yeah, Ron, it's a great question. And I think the way we looked at this investment and the way we look at others is that we want multiple outcomes to be a success for us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'd like for the downside to still look great. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that's certainly what happened. We felt like the profit in the public position was more obviously attainable, but a privatization ultimately was something we were really interested in. And in this environment of rapacious private demand, I would be surprised but excited if we were the winning bidder 
on any one of these privatizations. I think any one buyer needs to throw their hat in the ring to stand a chance, but should recognize that the competitive landscape is tougher than ever. Hard to compete against Blackstone Real Estate Income Trust. I know that that's a pretty big one. Okay, but before we get into your other one, Preferred Apartment Communities, I wanted to just ask you, this Columbia Property Trust, did you feel like your, your efforts there catalyzed them to launch a strategic review? Yeah, well, yeah, ultimately the trade that we made with the company that you alluded to earlier was we would drop our proxy, would mm-hmm. put our gun down, so to speak, if mm-hmm. the company started to do what we were asking them to do, which was mm-hmm. to seriously explore privatization. We thought mm-hmm. as the private market got their sea legs around the office again, and while there was enough capital deciding that these buildings specifically were going to continue to fare well through COVID, through a work from home future to the extent there would be one. We felt like the the easiest way to give shareholders a really good return on their dollars would be a privatization. And ultimately, we were really grateful that we had such a great partner in Colombia that was willing to see the benefits of privatization. And they moved forward and we thanked them for it and did as we promised. Okay, so let's talk about what appears to be another big success for you guys. Although I'm also curious if it was your ultimately preferred outcome. You launched in December a contest to take control of the board of another REIT, Preferred Apartment Communities. And if I remember correctly, you did not disclose, tell me if you disclosed the name of your director candidates. I don't think you did. You submitted them privately. And then last month before the contest could take place, Blackstone Real Estate Income Trust acquired the REIT for $5.8 billion or $25 a share. So tell us a little bit about this effort. This one you did make a unsolicited bid for, did you? or We did not. No. And I think with Columbia Property Trust, we thought there was actually a high likelihood that we might win because we were making somewhat of a contrarian bet, right? We were going long office. Our investors were willing to go long office in an environment that was very nervous about office, certainly office in New York, San Fran, and DC. Preferred Apartments is very similar in most ways, but the biggest difference, of course, is that we were buying deep valued equity in our view, but in a portfolio that was beloved by the private markets. And this is you know, just tremendously liquid, Sunbelt, multifam, class A apartment buildings, and, and grocery anchored retail in those same growing submarkets. Mm-hmm. And the reasons that it was trading down sort of in the gutter in our view was not because the assets weren't stellar, mm-hmm. not because the private market didn't know that the assets were stellar, but really for a bunch of other reasons, which included a weird mixing of asset classes, not great shareholder disclosure, you know, and a tricky balance sheet. Mm-hmm. We levered balance sheet with preferred stock. Mm-hmm. So in the case of preferred apartments, we, we thought it would be really unlikely that we'd actually win in a privatization mm-hmm. and did not even try and instead encouraged the company to explore strategic alternatives, including a privatization. Mm-hmm. And the rest is history. Did they? So, just to be clear, in terms of timeline, you, you submitted your candidates, and then after that, they launched a strategic review. Or, you know, what was the timing of their kind of? You know, uh, I, I don't know entirely. I don't know how much was happening behind the scenes. You know, before we got involved versus after. But we are very grateful that the company decided to go this way. Before we launch these contests, Gabrielle, do you kind of try to get a sense from the private real estate investment markets that there could be interest in acquiring some of these? Or is that something that you guys kind of investigate? Yeah, I I think some of the benefit that we have 
investing in the public market is that we are those private investors. We represent those private investors. Right. That's the hat that we wear first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to call investment sales brokers to gain confidence that there's a depth of demand. Mm-hmm. We know the depth of demand. Okay, that's great. And then the last thing you seem to suggest uh, a little bit earlier, did you need to get approval from your investors to become a little bit more activisty or proactive? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, to say, you know, we want we may launch a proxy contest here. Did you need to get some sort of approvals from your investors to do that? Totally. So the proactive business plan was actually a prerequisite to the approval. So mm-hmm. instead of it, you know, we weren't a hedge fund that was taking passive positions and then we asked our investors, "Hey, do you mind if we nominate the slate?" Instead, mm-hmm. We're a private equity real estate group that went to our investors and said, hey, do you mind if we invest in the public market? No, I see. That's interesting. So it's it's only, you know, we kind of approached this whole thing from the other direction. Mm -hmm. And we really want to stay that way. You know, our view is some of the reason that we're seeing the opportunity set here in the way we are is Mm -hmm. because we're coming at the public market from a very different view than a typical public investor is. And something we say here at Arcos a lot is experience is a double-edged sword. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of like to take our private real estate experience and apply it to a, Public a door into real estate. Exactly. That's very different than mm-hmm. private investing. Instead of underwriting these companies from a top-down, you know, balance sheet down, financials down view, we underwrite asset by asset, tenant by tenant. And only after we get a very clear view of how much each of the parts is worth will we sum them all up, add in balance sheet liabilities and assets, et cetera, to get to asset value. No, that is fascinating. It, it sounds like there's, you know, so some of the activists I talk to take this kind of private equity approach to the public markets. It sounds like that's a little bit of the strategy that you guys are employing with at least these two cases. I'm curious if you would launch another director contest, you know, now that you've got your investors approval. <laughs> add another REIT or uh, maybe even make another bid at some point? Is that something you would consider doing? Yeah, it's something we're considering doing right now. Okay. Oh, well, that's interesting. We, <laughs> we continue to underwrite you know, both private real estate and real estate companies. And until all of these problems are solved, and we think that there are many mm-hmm. in the public markets, we'll keep doing it. Okay. So I have to ask, and actually I'm, I'm working on a whole story about this. Another kind of activist that I think is a little different than yours, but he does focus on the REIT industries is Jonathan Litt Landon Buildings. And he launched an unsolicited bid recently at a REIT. So I have to wonder whether the bid that you guys made at Columbia Property Trusts, let me take a step back, PR firms, crisis communication firms for companies facing unsolicited bids from activists, hedge funds, you know, these guys that actually don't own any portfolio companies. They like to call them faux bids and that they have yeah. no real interest in or capacity to buy them and their goals to trigger an auction process. So I guess I wanted to get a sense of, it sounds like you answered this already, but I just want to just follow up. You know, Were you ready to buy Columbia Property Trust if they had agreed to strike a deal with Arcos and its partners? Or was it really the whole goal for them to get a white knight type of buyer to come in and acquire them instead? It's <laughs> a great question. Firstly, obviously, anyone whom you ask certainly on a podcast, but even privately, should tell you they had the sincere intention of privatizing that company. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, at least from our Securities Council's view and our own you know, moral and ethical view, that mm-hmm. is market manipulation. If you right. don't yes. need to buy the company, don't make the offer. That You're yes. not allowed to do that. Right. So for us, firstly, 100% yes, we were prepared to buy Columbia Property Trust. 
Our investors, like I said, were long office and thought that they'd be very competitive in office. Mm -hmm. The good news is we have a really wide investor base. Mm -hmm. And even with that wide investor base, we didn't decide to make an offer on APTS. And the biggest reason is because we didn't feel like the investors we had spoken to were really going to be the sharpest you know, pencil in the bid process. We didn't think mm-hmm. we'd be competitive enough. We were just seeing what was happening mm-hmm. in the rest of the private market and felt like it would be a little bit of a fool's errand. And maybe it would pop the stock, but like it wouldn't be a sincere attempt to privatize. So I would say I totally appreciate <laughs> the an analyst's comment or a PR. Just to be clear, he wasn't talking about your bid. It was it was somebody else. No, no. Another yeah, bid. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I I won't speak specifics, not for me to judge, but I definitely appreciate that concern. I think the difference with Arkhouse Partners is that if we're making a bid, it's because we really want to own it. We're first and foremost, private equity real estate investors. That's what we want to do. And we look at it to the extent there is a privatization that we're considering is it's like big win, little win. The big win is, of course, what we're meant and mission to go and do, which is to find good assets to buy at good bases. Mm-hmm. And if we can find those in the public markets, amazing, spectacular. If we can blend down our basis by buying into the equity earlier, amazing, mm-hmm. spectacular. But the goal absolutely is to buy those assets. Mm-hmm. Additionally, we'll continue to underwrite the opportunity set. And to the extent we think something is deeply valued and there's a path to helping the company unlock that value, mm-hmm. then we'll go and do that too. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anytime we make an offer, rest assured, you can bet your bottom dollar that our bottom dollar's there. Okay. All right. I had to ask, and definitely we'll be watching Arkhouse's efforts in the REIT industry. Still a lot of consolidation going on there uh, in the weeks and months. And please keep us posted on any of your upcoming activist campaigns. So we're out of time. This again is Ron Oral, and you've been listening to the Activist Investment Today podcast. And we've been speaking to Gabrielle Kahane of Arkhouse Partners. Thanks, Gabrielle, for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks so much, Ron. 